Aloha! You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 144. This episode is sponsored by Tandawai Rum, the world's largest rum producer and winner of over 170 international medals in the past four decades. Check out their webpage at TandawaiUSA.com or follow them on Facebook or Instagram at TandawaiUSA. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly T-Shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit tikibartshirtclub.com. This podcast is also sponsored by the Tonga Hut. With locations in both North Hollywood and Palm Springs, California, the Tonga Hut serves classic tiki cocktails in a classic tiki setting. Dine in a secret tiki hideaway or learn about rum and rum history at one of their educational seminars. And if you're up to the challenge, take the journey to join the loyal order of drooling bastards. For information on events, rum rum club, and more, go to tongahut.com or find them on Facebook or Instagram. On this episode, we chat with Chavi Yunqueras from Viva Tiki. Chavi is one of the producers and partners of a new documentary currently in the works coming out of Barcelona, Spain, called Viva Tiki. This documentary explores the stories and history behind the tiki movement in Spain, who the players were, how it got started, the mugs, the cocktails, and more. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. And if you did, hit that subscribe button. Subscribing makes it easier for you to follow our adventures. Shares on your social media pages are always appreciated. And if you'd like to help support the show, go to DesertOasisRoom.com to pick up some merch or make a donation. This podcast does not survive without the help of its sponsors or its listeners. So every purchase or donation, no matter the size, is totally appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. Okay, grab a drink and join us. And give it up for my friend Chavi from Viva Tiki. Aloha, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Desert Oasis Room. I'm here with my new friend from Barcelona. Aloha, Xavi. Aloha. Hi. I met met Xavi at Tiki Oasis this year, and for those of you that don't know, Xavi is one of the producers, can I call you a producer, of the Viva Tiki documentary. Yeah, like a team member. Team member. Okay, how many people are on this project? I would say there is a core or like four people okay. involved, and and then there's like the the nucleus uh, of the project, which is like maybe seven to eight people, with uh, like most known tiki files in Spain involved in the project. Oh, very nice. So I'm excited to talk to you about this because for hardcore tiki files like me. I've been wanting to know more about this whole tiki scene in Spain. 
for our listeners out there that are following the Tiki movement out here in the mainland United States, did you know that we have Tiki bars all over Spain? Barcelona, Madrid, Lisbon, and they're all done very well. They're all done with their own authenticity. They all make their own tiki mugs. Tell me a little bit more about what you know about how all of this started in Spain. How did it cross over from the United States? Because tiki is uh, it's like a mainland a United States-born. So to, to start, I'm going to tell you that since we were like teenagers, uh, most of us will remember like these bars in Barcelona. I, I live close to Barcelona. And those Hawaiian bars, this is the way uh, we call these bars there, not tiki bars. And this has been part of uh, many people's history for decades. But I've never really thought about their origins and why they were open after so many years, because most of them are, are kind of really old. So after getting into Tiki and starting to explore the history of these bars and meeting the right people uh, uh, that uh, right now they are like co-workers in this project, uh, we realized that this started around late 60s, probably because some like businessmen uh, from Spain or that at that point were living in Spain, they traveled to the United States and they saw some tiki bar, probably in the East Coast area. So they went back with the idea of opening a tiki bar uh, because they, they, they thought that that was a successful, uh, that was going to be a successful business. So. Um, to our knowledge, the first tiki bar was not a tiki bar by itself, but it was like a tiki bar within a Chinese restaurant in Madrid. Oh, interesting. Um, this restaurant was called House of Ming. So they, have, they had like different locations, and in one of the locations, they opened um, a cocktail room mm -hmm. um, as a waiting room for the restaurant. So here in the United States... Tiki was very much an art movement. And it was a lot, of course, based on escapism. And we had pioneers here in the United States along those lines, like Don the Beachcomber and Trader Vic and Stephen Crane. The gentlemen that you are mentioning, are they looked at in the same way? Are they considered pioneers there? We can consider pioneers because they... they transported the product, the tiki product. And, and was to Spain. it also like a, a, I assume that they were doing this because they appreciated and they enjoyed the artistic aspect of it. So is it also treated like, uh, they come from a place of artistry? Yeah, well, these, to tell you the truth, we don't really know because uh, we didn't find the, this person. Uh, so okay. we, we we couldn't interview him so far. I, I don't know if okay. he's still alive. Okay. Uh, and so we don't know if it was just about like business or because art or because just giving a different twist to the restaurant. But somehow they they put like the seed for this to spread. Yeah. Because another guy, not not because that first businessman. So other people kind of 
uh, saw what was happening in the restaurant and they wanted to replicate or copy or whatever this can be called. And this was like the start of this, I could call like this uh, Spanish craze about Hawaiian bars. And um, that was um, um, spread all around the country in a, like in, in, in 10 years uh, because of different people like opening bars in, in different areas, starting by the capitals. After Madrid, uh, it came Barcelona. And after Barcelona, um, I would say it spread all over the country, especially uh, all over coastal areas, but even inland. Um, and this is what we are trying to track by the little ephemera where we're finding, we're trying to collect stuff and, and to track all these bars. Um, and this basically what we are focusing right now that related to historical um, Hawaiian right, bars right. in Spain. Okay. At, at some point, we are we calculated that maybe 150 or even 200 bars, Hawaiian bars, uh, existed in Spain in early 80s. So I have a lot of questions for you. So for our listeners, if you're not following Viva Tiki on Instagram, please follow them, viva.tiki. What they're doing is they're documenting this phenomenon of tiki happening in Spain, which is very well documented already here in the United States. This is the first of its kind. And what our friend Xavi here is finding are all of the pieces that Sven and Joachim and Jeff Berry and Bosco and all of our historians here in the United States have already done. So. I want to move into some of the other aspects that we love in the tiki culture or subculture here in the United States, which is, again, going back to the art, the mug collecting, for example. There is a whole bunch of tiki mugs that are being produced in Spain. And they are also very classically Polynesian, but also very much in the fingerprint of the Spanish art style. Tell me more about what you know already from your research about the mugs, the artists, and how all of that kind of came about. Yeah, thanks to Miguel Escobedo, um, he's probably the, the specialist on Spanish tiki in Spain, who lives in, in Madrid, and luckily for us, he's part of our project. Uh, we knew about these men that in late 60s, late 60s uh, he was commissioned to make uh, some mugs. Uh, at that point, they didn't call it tiki mugs, but like in Hawaiian vessels. What, what was he commissioned to make them for? Were they made for a bar or a restaurant? or? Actually, he was commissioned by, it seems that by this man, that he was not even the owner of one of the probably the second Hawaiian bar in Spain, named Wahin, uh, but by a friend of the owner, the bar owners. So um, this man was a specialist on, uh, he was an art, he is an artisan, he's still alive. And he, at that point, he was specialized on porcelain and ceramics, actually high-end porcelain. He was working like doing 
really amazing stuff. So he was commissioned to replicate one of the Tiki Macs imported from the United States. Uh, I think, I try to remember, it was like a Orchid of Hawaii Tiki Mac. Oh, interesting. So he started just by using his crafts and applying his crafts to make Tiki Macs. And he did it really well. So um, the his customers, they were really happy with his work. So they kept on like commissioning and commissioning. So he he started to like to become like a Mac producer. And eventually he started like to work for other bars. Other bars were opening because probably this was a, a successful business. And other people like thought that they, they could live out of uh, a yeah, Hawaiian bar. Yeah, yeah. And he was the guy he was the, the, the artisan, the artist guy uh, working in this field, um, and yeah, this is the probably the, the beginning of the uh, long history about mug design and producing in Spain. Were there anybody else that was doing this? Was anybody competing with him? No, he was just as far. He's to, the to guy. To our knowledge, he's he the was only the one. one. Wow! Wow! Have and you have you found him yet? Have you contacted him? Yeah, actually, we were lucky to interview him in, I think it was March this year. Oh, how neat is that? Um, is he still making mugs? No, he's uh, retired. Okay, he's, yeah, but he has uh, still a kiln oh, at his yeah. place, so he's still doing some stuff because he likes it. Not, yeah, not because yeah. he has any like economical interest or anything sure but he's in perfect condition i mean his mental and physical health is amazing probably better than mine yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah he is um yeah he has a lot lots of energy and and he shared with us um, a lot of information Very it was nice. great to meet him and to know about him and his uh, craftsmanship okay wow so Along those lines, do we know who built these bars as well? Because here in the United States, we had quite a few outfitters. One of them was Oceanic Arts. We had Sea Jungle Imports. And there were names of builders before, right? From Oceanic Arts, Bob and Leroy, and of course, Bamboo Ben's grandfather, Eli Headley. Were there names for anybody that was doing this in Spain? Do you know about those as well? Uh, really not yet. Okay. Uh, I mean, we have to go back to Mr. Munoz. Right. Mr. Right. Munoz is this really amazing guy, this amazing man who started the whole thing. So um, he also started decorating bars with ceramic because one of the differential points on Spanish tiki uh, according to everyone, is the use of ceramic a lot of tile. instead of wood. Yeah. So instead yeah. of like wood carvings and wood stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's done very well. So I think it's, is it the Kahiki that has the tile entrance with the waterfalls? No, that's the Kahala. Kahala. Okay, Kahala. Beautiful entry. I haven't seen it personally myself, but the photos are stunning that I, I can't imagine what it looks like in person. And when you go into these 
bars, it's like they employed all the same rules that when we built the bars out here in the States. No windows, no clocks, no TVs. At least I didn't see any TVs. It's all about escapism. And it's, again, I've, like I've said before, it's done very well. And they seem to follow, like, again, that classic formula. But what I'm curious about, there's a couple of things. The music that they play in the bars and the drinks. So let's start with the music. Are they playing Exotica music? I don't think when they opened, for instance, Cajala in Barcelona, they opened in April 71. So this was a project of this architect in Barcelona that he was friends or acquaintance of the, the owners of some Hawaiian bar in Madrid. So he tried to replicate what he saw in Madrid. So he hired Mr. Muñoz to the wall the ceramic work and going to the music part uh, I don't really think they played Exotica mm -hmm. but probably they played uh, Hawaiian like Hapa Haole style right right um, which the, is as far that's as actually very we know good. because of um, what the current owners of the place told us because we, we we interviewed him mm -hmm. uh, his name is uh, Nicolas Pafiello He's in his late 60s, I guess. His son is taking over the business, so it's a family-run business. And right now, I can tell you about what, what's happening now. So they played Exotica and they played some Hawaiian music, uh, depending on, on, the, on the time of the day. So when it's really busy with young people, probably they move like to modern music, which is something that I not really excited oh, sure, about. Sure, yeah. The same with me. But <laughs> I think that probably when we when when the when the owner see that we are like entering the place, probably I think he switches the music because he knows that that we feel better right, right. with other music. But when we move he, he goes You're back <laughs> to the same thing. And probably the, the reason for them to be still operating is that they were able to adapt to every situation. Mm -hmm. So after like almost like I would say five decades of being operating, that's the reason for them like to be there is that they they probably change and they swift they switched things. But um, luckily for everyone, like they didn't move anything of the decoration. So that's all original. Yeah. Five decades. Yeah. How is it holding up? Is it is it showing its wear and tear now, or is it still? Yeah, it's great. Still looks ceramic. Good. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, I guess you're it's right. It's not Cera like wood. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess ceramic. You're right. If you don't hit it like. Yeah. Uh, violently. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't break. Right. And yeah, they have some wood things, and I think it's they're in good condition. And I don't, we don't know the carver, but we know about this um, artist that he was uh, like around 20 at, during the mid 70s, that he had a deal with the owner in Kahala. So he painted like some paintings that you still can see okay. there. And, and we know his name, but we don't know anything else. Okay. So well, there's a lot was for us to investigate. If he was in his 20s in the 70s, he's still around then. Unfortunately, he, he died. Oh, he did? Yeah, he passed away. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, there, there, there's yeah, a history okay. behind All right. okay. this. Okay. So, 
how are they doing with cocktails? Uh, from what I understand, what you told me earlier was that Kahala is, they're trying to keep up with this modern craft cocktail movement. Are they doing the original Mai Tais and all that kind of stuff too? I would say that they've never done the original Mai Tais. Oh, really? So, yeah. Okay. So let's just start okay. by this. <laughs> so probably just by early 70s, the recipes had already changed. Uh-huh. Um, I would really like uh, Miguel Escobedo being here because he knows a lot of this. So okay. I'm sorry, but that's I, okay. I don't we, know we're we're going to information. We'll, you can and, save that for your documentary. Also, yeah, so. And also, Ivan Castro, they were like the first revivalist of the Spanish tiki. I know Ivan Castro. Oh, yeah, he's uh, he's great. He's Both are great. Good guy. Yeah. And actually, I think that. They should be here instead of me. Well, this is the, the way. It I think you're doing great. Yeah. Well, thanks. Um, so basically, it seems that probably some original recipes came into the country, but the bartenders probably started like to experiment with uh, like native ingredients. Right. And at some point, uh, the, the the evolution started right away. Yeah. So this meaning like making the drinks really syrupy and, and really sweetie yeah, yeah, things, yeah. really colorful, yeah, and kind of losing the, the spirit of the original drinks. So right now, uh, I would say that Kahala is doing pretty good drinks. Uh, they still have the original recipes with the original max, and they are okay. Okay. And, and the rest of the bars... It depends. So I want to give them a quick shout out because I joined the contest on Instagram and I never win anything. I never win anything. And I was surprised that I won one of the prizes in the contest. You were giving away a menu and a mug and a few other things that were being, they were all donated by Kahala. And so, shout out to Kahala Barcelona. Thank you so much. I won the mug. Yeah. I'm so happy. It's my Is second. Tiki made your lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's my second uh, Spanish mug, though. I really? actually have another one. Ah, okay. Yeah, I don't remember it's from. It's on t- a high shelf, so I have to pull it down to look at it. But it's uh, it's kind of like a cone shape that narrow. It's fat on the bottom and narrows at the top, and it has stripes on the cheeks. Hmm. It's a brown colored mug with white stripes on the cheeks. I'll send you a photo and okay. maybe you can identify I mean, it. But but along that line, you know, we were talking earlier with Sven about all these different mugs that were made. And I think you said there was over 200 designs? Yeah. Again, to our knowledge, uh, all the mugs that we know, they were designed and produced initially by these old men right now, Mr. Muñoz. Um, so um, he got lots of information. Just um, he just did one trip to London to visit Trader Biggs in like late sixties, and then he bought some books about oceanic art, and he was inspired by by everything he saw in these books. So all of the mags he designed were based on real oceanic yeah, wow. and South Seas art, which is something kind of surprising because some of them are kind of weird, like weird faces and it's 
it's you know, unbelievable but, that. But that, I love them. They they very much embody the spirit of Spanish tiki, right? The personality, the 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 craftsmanship and the style of those mugs. You know, you know. There's this old saying about how can one man make a difference, right? In this tiki world, there was the one man who made the difference in Don the Beachcomber, who started the Polynesian bar here the day after Prohibition. And then you have Trader Vic, who, that, like, he's this Mai Tai that he created is, I always argue it's the most popular drink in the world because there's no bar you can walk up to in the world, order a Mai Tai, and then them reply, uh, well, what is that? No matter where you go in the world, if you order a Mai Tai, they might not make it the way Trader Vic's made it, but they will make you something, right? And then there's so this is this guy now, Mr. Munoz, who comes to Spain. He brings this, this this whole tiki aesthetic, and now look at Spanish tiki. Now we have tiki across Spain. Yeah, this is this is the way it happened, and we are trying to track it um, as uh, precisely as we can. And we have a long way to go. So, yeah. so let's talk real quick about the documentary then, because Viva Tiki is the project that is documenting this, this tiki movement in Spain. How did this get started? So, this project started as a conversation between friends, uh, specifically some friends of mine and myself. Um, and because this friend of mine, Carlos Riobo, he's been working on the uh, visual field for many, many years. He's even directing some other documentaries. So he has experience, he has the knowledge, he's, he has like resources and equipment. And he's a tiki file, actually, probably he's the largest tiki, modern tiki mac collector in, in Spain. He has lots of amazing stuff. He's really picky. And um, yeah, we were like this debating and having like these discussions about is Spanish Tiki something that has like enough information to make a documentary? Yes or not? Have we the, 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 the funds? Have we the resources to do it? So at some point, uh, we were kind of excited and more excited, more excited, and we got in. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that engages even me more. Uh, so we got in contact with the the other like long time tiki files like Ivan, Uriol, Elias, who is like the top mixologist in my opinion in Spain, and and Miguel and and Eva. So. We at some point we decided like to move forward, and we just decided uh, as a first step doing probably the most difficult thing, which is travel from Barcelona to Madrid to interview Mr. Muñoz. Okay, and that was probably the trigger for us. Like, once you get that, you can't turn back now, right? Once you have that that person. I mean, the project has started, right? Right. right. So this is like a, a no way back uh, yeah. point, um, like a plane like taking off. Yeah. So we are already flying. Yeah. yeah. So we have to go to the end, to the destiny. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Um, and because we were going, because my wife Nuria and I had planned this trip to California, and this happened, this first interview happened, as I told before, in, in March, uh, I remember. So we thought that this project should have like a, a name and uh, an image, and we wanted to share with uh, right. Tiki Ohana. Yeah. Uh, so we we opened all these social media accounts. Right. Uh, luckily for us, Nuria, she's doing an amazing work of like being the community manager of the project, and we thought of. So this. she's the boss. Yeah, she is. Okay, <laughs> just so we know, just so we're clear about that. <laughs> yes, and 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 for our listeners, they've still got a long way to go. So we're probably not going to see this. In the near future, I mean, I'd love to see it in the near future, but I'd also love to see it done well, which I'm sure that's that's what you guys are doing. So it might be a little bit of time. Do you, do you actually have a projected date? Not really. Not yet. No, okay. Not yet. We are still. I mean, if this is a like ten steps project, yeah, I would say we are in step two. Okay. So it's an really early stage. Okay. Uh, still like exploring new threads. So what you're saying to me is this is the first of many episodes that you and I are going to be recording because this I'd, l- I'd love be, to I'd yeah. love to talk to you maybe six months from now well, and then and let's deal. just see like yeah. where we are right. So I, I wanted I wanted to have our friends here from Viva Tiki on the show because here at the Desert Oasis Room we are all about helping our friends further the Tiki movement especially historically and artistically. And we want to help you. If there's any way that I can help you with social media or with the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me. Is there anything like a GoFundMe or Kickstarter or anything that could help with the funding for this? Well, Adrian, first of all, thank you very much. We really appreciate the the welcome we have had during the TQAs. I would like to be really thankful also for all the people in California and specifically in Los Angeles and during the TQAs that uh, really welcomed us in a warm way. And especially to Mari King from Tonga Hat, uh, who's a friend of us, uh, a long-term friend of us. And she's great and she's been really helping. And yeah, this has been amazing. And when I when we went first at the TQAs in 2016, we would never thought that this would happen so this has been great and uh, yeah probably at some point uh well yeah we are looking for for funds and to, yeah we need financial resources to sure. keep on with the project uh, we're exploring like different uh, ways and at some point like the some crowdfunding project probably is gonna be on Okay, and we'll uh, we'll let know. Uh, yeah, when this yeah. Is let happening. us know. Let us know, and we'll and help you with the, yeah getting like that out there. There's a possibility. So. There's an opportunity for people to help uh, for this project. Okay, great, great. And I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't forget to mention one of the other members, uh, Joel, who's done a great work of like doing this kind of mask that we have used uh, for. The, for instance, the the giveaway winners. Uh, so it's, it's a mask that says Viva right, Tiki. Right. Uh, that looks great, and it's been really helpful for the people to be engaged to support us. Great, great. So shout out to Joel, 
and the rest of your crew. Let's why don't we name all of them out there so they they get the recognition they deserve. Okay. So, Carla Riobo, he's the the film director. Uh, Joel, he's an, an artist involved. Uh, Nuria, she's the community manager. Uh, Ivan Castro, he did an amazing work of designing the uh, logo of Bibatiki. Um, um, Mr. Feth, uh, who is an amazing carver, tiki carver, uh, he really collaborated with uh, collaborated with us and give give us the idea of the name for the documentary, which is Viva Tiki. Uh, Miguel Escobedo, of course, from Madrid, he's running this really great tiki bar named Tiki Chateau. I really recommend everyone like visiting Madrid to go there. Um, Eva Sanz. Um, who is um, a great painter and illustrator, and Oriol Elias, who is a great uh, mixologist, and he's been the one teaching me many things about uh, tiki and tiki cocktails. Uh, do I for, forget anyone? Okay. So, we got everybody. We'll make yeah. sure we don't forget anybody. Yeah. So we got everybody and great. And myself, Xavier Junqueras. And there you go. <laughs> so for all of our listeners, if you want to follow this project, follow them on Instagram, viva.tiki. And is there a website? Do we have a website? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, website. We have a Facebook account okay. as well, which is Viva Tiki. Okay, well. Viva Tiki on Facebook. And if you have any questions, comments, or just want to leave out a shout out for our friends here at Viva Tiki, stop by our group page on Facebook inside the Desert Oasis Room. Follow us on Instagram at Polynesian Pop. And if you want to hear some previous episodes, you can go to our website, DesertOasisRoom.com. Before I wrap, I just want to say thank you to Sven Kirsten again for hosting us at his Tiki Island. We're recording this on Sven's porch. And I've been privileged enough to be part of a little bit of the production for Viva Tiki. And I got to do a little bit of sound for a couple of interviews today. So I'm excited to see this project. You heard all the names that are on this project. So... With all these names and all the history that's coming together, this is going to be something that's really special. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Uh, I really would say thank you, Sven Kirsten. Thank you, Jochen Hirschfeld, for their amazing help. And thank you, Adrian, for hosting us in your podcast. Your yeah, thank you. Podcast. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for being on the podcast. And again, if we can help you in any way in the future, you just let me know. All right. Thank you again. Okay, party people. We'll that, really that, that's it for now. Stay on the lookout for another episode with our friends at Viva.tiki. In the meantime, we're going to enjoy some Mai Tais. So cheers and aloha, yes. everyone. Cheers. Cheers.